0: Welcome to America the Bizarre. I'm your host, Jordan Roush, And I'm Jeremy. And this is a weekly history podcast that deep dives into all the stories that made America into the beautiful weirdo she is today.
1: Beautiful and weird.
0: <laughs> so, presidential trivia for this week. Yes. Which president yelled and scarred for life a young Dr. Seuss? Ooh.
1: Mm. No
0: no idea? No clue? Do
1: you want me to make a guess?
0: Yes, of course. I <laughs> ask you to ha- make a guess every single week.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Ford. Ford. Gerald R. Ford. I don't even know okay. when Dr. Seuss was... When he would have been little. When would When was Dr. Seuss born?
0: I'm not telling you. That would have given it away. Uh, or at least a little bit. Not totally. Would have
1: narrowed it down. Yeah. We're going to go with Ford, maybe?
0: Okay. Well, the answer will be at the end of this episode, so stay tuned.
1: <laughs> maybe Bush Sr.
0: <Senior>. Bush Sr.? <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. I don't know. When was... But Dr. Seuss has passed away for a while, huh? Yeah. Ugh. LBJ? Maybe. <laughs> Is that it?
0: No. It's not LBJ.
1: (laughs) The one in between the two? No. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm done guessing.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) Otherwise, I'm just going to start reading up lists of presidents.
0: Prematurely born babies often have underdeveloped lungs, immune systems, and digestive tracts along with the missing necessary layer of fat that keeps them warm. Before modern medicine, parents of premature babies had to get creative to keep their tiny babies warm, and their methods ranged from putting them in jars full of feathers, to wrapping them up in sheepskin, to putting them in baskets that were then filled with hot water bottles or warmed bricks, or the classic go-to of just wrapping them up in a blanket and putting them in front of the fire. Hmm. Despite parents' best efforts, the survival rate of these infants were very low. Yeah. In 1878, Dr. Etienne Tarnier was visiting a Paris zoo and was inspired when he saw incubators being used to hatch chicken eggs. Huh. Dr. Tarnier hired an engineer who specialized in creating chicken hatchery incubators to build him a two-tiered de- two-tiered device in which a water reservoir could be heated by an outside boiler. When the water reservoir was heated, it would warm up several babies lying in the cot right above it. Huh. The cot holding the babies wasn't closed, but ventilated using simple convection that worked by air entering at the base and then circulating upward around the infant and then escaped out of the top. The boiler worked almost too well, and the gas flow at Dr. Tarnier's hospital was very uneven. Sometimes it'd be a lot of gas, sometimes it'd be little gas. So if the nurses didn't keep constant checks on the incubator and infants, the babies could easily become overheated. Are literally just like cooking in their cots. Jeez. Yeah. That's so. Since this was very difficult to regulate, nurses ended up not even filling up the water reservoirs after a while and literally just filled up the reservoir instead of water, just filled it up with hot water bottles. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Which kind of like defeated the purpose of this being like an automatic incubator system. System. Yeah. Yeah. Despite, like, the water reservoir not really working. The issues, yeah. Dr. Tarnier claimed that this cut premature infant mortality rates in half. However, many others in the medical community didn't believe the statistics Dr. Tarnier was claiming. Dr. Tarnier's successor, Dr. Pierre Boudin, picked up where Dr. Tarnier left off and kept working on perfecting the incubator and publishing reports that detailed the successes of incubators. His reports were often met with the same pushback that Doctor Tarnier received, so Doctor Boudin knew that he just needed others to see the incubators in action so that they could believe. In 1896, Doctor Boudin told his assistant, Doctor Martin Cohen, to take several of the incubators to the Berlin Industrial Exposition and to fill them with premature babies so that they would grab the attention of people walking by. What? Yeah. <laughs> take all these incubators, put babies in them. Oh, hey,
1: yeah. By the way, just take some premature babies. Get some you. babies. They travel well.
0: Well, the uh, Dr. Cohen decided mm-hmm. that he was just going to get babies like after he already got to Germany. So uh. they didn't have to travel. Uh. So when he gets to Germany, he approached German Empress Augusta Victoria... Mm -hmm. who was the protectress of Berlin's charity hospital. And he asked if he could take the hospital's premature babies and place them in the incubators. Because their chances of living was so low anyways, she agreed. She's like, well, they're probably going to die anyways, so give it your best shot. Yeah. The Berlin Industrial Exposition was a huge showcase of the innovation coming out of Germany. And was divided up into twenty-three different sections, ranging from engineering to photography to medicine, and also included a circus and carnival rides. Huh? It was like kind of like like a
1: a mini world's fair. It's
0: like a world fair.
1: Yeah, pretty mini world's fair.
0: Oh, this was huge. it? It was like an actual like world fair.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Not many people.
0: Um, I'll get to how many people visited his exhibit each day. Um, I didn't write down the actual number of people that showed up. Hmm. But it 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 was huge. Yeah. It was a lot of people. So instead of a instead of placing Cohen's exhibit in technology or medicine section, yeah. Cohen's incubator facility was placed in the amusement section of the expo in between the Congo Village and the Tyrolean Yodelers. What? So in the Congo Village, remember in like the nineteen oh four Olympics yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. Where they started doing like in these world fairs, even at zoos, they would like get a cult- people cultural,
1: yeah right
0: they would basically steal people from like their homes, yeah. these you know people that they' seen as like tribal people oh, yeah. or you know, and then they would recreate I'm like doing a lot of parentheses with my fingers,
1: yeah, basically a live diorama,
0: yeah. And they would, like, recreate their villages and, like, have them, like, live their normal lives while people basically walked. It was like a human zoo. And it wasn't okay. So he was placed next to them, and then the other exhibit right on his other side was Yodelers. Jeez. Which is not great for babies. No. So, also, I wanted to say, I didn't put this down here, but at this time, a healthy baby's survival rate, like, was only, like, 80%. Yeah. Like to make it to like their first year yeah. so a premature baby it's so low it was
1: almost nothing I yeah. mean really I, I think it's been that way for quite a while so, too even you know like oh yeah I think I think it's probably just within, our lifetimes well, so. and a
0: lot of it too was like healthy babies that or that were born healthy were so hard to keep alive mm-hmm. that when babies that were born premature people saw like as not even worth putting in any effort mm-hmm. to they were just a lost cause mm. So by the time of the expo, these incubators were made up of a water boiler that supplied hot water into a pipe that ran into a glass case, and underneath a mesh that the baby slept on, and there was a thermostat that regulated the temperature inside of the glass case. Ah. So they are
1: able to regulate the actual temperature right? if they have consistent gas flow.
0: Right and another pipe carried air into the glass case after being filtered through wool that had been dipped in antiseptic and then another piece of dry wool mm. so like clean air yep yeah. on top of the glass case was a chimney with a fan that blew the exhausted air out of the incubator hmm. Cohen, or one of his assistants, was always working to check on the babies and explain the incubator to visitors. The incubators were a hit. Songs about the incubators were sung in German beer halls and nightclubs, and newspapers all over the world began to run articles about them. Around 40,000 people visited the incubator exhibit every single day that it was open during the six months of the expo. Wow. Cohen would get the premature babies to a healthy weight of six pounds or more and then discharge them back to their families, which would allow for a new premature baby to take its place in the incubator. Huh. At the end of the expo, Cohen claimed that every single premature baby had survived. There are no records to back that up, but there's also no records that say that that's false either, especially right. if there's 40,000 people going coming in every, every day. It'd be yeah. kind of
1: obvious when there's. If one died, well, you, maybe. You think, anyways. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, with all of their success, Cohen and a New York entrepreneur worked together to bring the incubator exhibit to the Victorian-era exhibition in London. A few weeks before the exhibit, Cohen found himself with no babies to place in the incubators. None of the British doctors would give their premature infant patients up to be displayed at an exhibit. Mm -hmm. So, instead, Cohen packed three wicker baskets with babies from Paris and began the journey towards London. So, (laughs) yeah... Cohen had a well-known obstetric nurse named Louise Recht join him to help care for the babies on their journey. They just did a lot of hot water bottles and kept them warm, and mm-hmm. just did their best to get them from Paris to London as fast as possible, so that Jeez. they could then get them in the incubators by train. I imagine. Um. Yeah. So they kind of just did a little bit train and then ship. You know, you got to get to England somehow. Yeah. It's a big island. <laughs>
1: No tunnels at the point,
0: no, <laughs> so, but once they got there, the incubator exhibit was once again a huge hit. Yeah. Cohen would notice that the exhibit would have return visitors that would check in on their favorite baby and watch them grow and gain weight. Aww. It was here in London that Cohen began to go by Martin Coney, though nobody really knows why, yeah, some think he was dry he was trying to just drop his Jewish name yeah. After London, Coney took. Wait,
1: what year is it now?
0: This is 1898. Yeah, 1898. Yeah. So, after London, Coney took six of his incubators and began to make his way to America. Well, I think that was 1897. Either mm. way, but after London, Coney took six of his incubators and began to make his way to America. Coney's first exhibit in the United States was at the Omaha World's Fair in 1898. Hmm. Just like in Britain, many of America's doctors distrusted the incubators and felt that a baby's best chances of survival was to be cared for by its mother, not a metal and glass box.
1: Yeah. But like, think about it, like, it's recreating in a more controlled... Precise. i mean i don't have right. to explain this to you, you no well we know like, now yeah, but
0: yeah, back yeah. then it was so weird and yeah, different and yeah. i just yeah and you machines think about yeah, and you know
1: yeah. yeah yeah like people's
0: back then people didn't even have babies in hospitals you just had right. babies at home too yeah. yeah so which is yeah which is another
1: crazy thing like, yeah
0: When word got out about the incubators, desperate parents began to bring their tiny newborns to Coney, hoping for a chance for their baby. Mm -hmm. Their babies were fed breast milk every two to three hours. The babies that were too small and weak to suckle were given milk through a tube inserted into their throat or a funnel-shaped spoon that was put into their nose. A representative from the Krug Cabinet Beer Company asked if he could supply Coney's wet nurses with a drink that they thought would increase milk supply
1: beer yep dark yeah. like a dark
0: beer yeah. and coney allowed it after the wet nurses tried it coney gave the beer his recommendation which was huge like they like printed like an ad that was like dr Great coney approves this for, for nursing break- mothers yeah <laughs> like perfect yeah, <laughs> exactly just what
1: mama needs yeah a nice stout <laughs> oatmeal stout
0: so Coney then decided that he would like to stay in America and became a United States citizen on November 2nd, 1898. Many hospitals around the country began to acquire their own incubators, however, funding for the care of premature babies was low, just like we said, they didn't a lot of people didn't think they were really worth putting all this effort into. Yeah. And many of these hospitals closed their premature baby stations shortly after opening. However, Coney continued to grow in popularity and was able to purchase 18 state-of-the-art incubators to continue traveling the country, including the 1901 Pan American Exposition where President McKinley was shot. On May 16, 1903, Luna Park was opened on Coney Island and was an instant success. The park had all sorts of rides and attractions to wow visitors. The owner of Luna Park, Fred Thompson, knew he needed one of the biggest attractions in the country at his park, the Incubator Babies. Huh. Is, Tom- that,
1: is that the place that we went to? Was that Luna Park or Coney Island? I, we do, I don't
0: know. I don't remember where it, it was called, uh, where we went.
1: know yeah. I went to Coney Island. Yeah. That's all been. that matters. <laughs> had to have been. It's probably called something else now.
0: Um. So Thompson offered Coney a prime spot in the park on the main thoroughfare and and Coney took him up on the offer. The incubators drew in large crowds instantly. Visitors were charged $0.25 cents to Man. come inside the incubator facility... I was just
1: going to ask you how much they charged them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, of course.
0: ...to look upon the tiny babies in steel and glass incubators while nurses in white uniforms walked around tending to them. Lecturers would explain the needs of premature babies, the treatment plan at Coney's facility, and the technology of the incubators. So... Hmm. It's going to get kind of confusing because now his name is Coney and he's working at Coney Island, but But no, but nothing to do with each other. Right. So Dr. Coney for his lectures and anybody that worked for him, he was very, um, serious about everything being taken seriously. He's like, we might be at an amusement park, but there will be no jokes. Like these are babies in critical health conditions. Like you cannot joke about this. Yeah. He's like, like this is, you know, medical devices, and we have to be serious about what we're doing here. Right? Because
1: it's working.
0: Right. And yeah. It's literally lives. And he's saving like, we, and he's like if we want this to become a huge thing in America or even around the world, like we have to take it seriously, so other people will take it seriously.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Visitors could also see into the back room where the babies were fed and changed through a large glass window. Local physicians began to send their premature babies to Coney Island to be placed in an incubator, and desperate parents began to bring their babies in as well. Each baby cost around $15 a day, or about $450 today, to care for the babies. Coney never charged any of the parents that brought their babies to him. Coney also stated in interviews that babies of any race or social class were welcome at his facility at a time when segregation was extremely prevalent in America.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: On August 17th, 1903, the New York Times ran an article accusing Coney of running a baby farm that Mm -hmm. exploited six children for his own profits, and the president of the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children called on the New York police and the mayor to shut down Coney's facility immediately. The matter was brought in front of a court where Coney testified that he was running a serious medical facility that just happened to be at an amusement park.
1: Yeah. Like, no medical professionals are taking me seriously. Right. Like, none of the hospitals want me in there.
0: Right, yeah. And And he was like, we've tried to get incubators into hospitals, and, like, hospitals have tried incubators, and then they've, like, been shut down. So the only place that has incubators is my place. Yeah. I'm the only one that's saving babies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And this is the only
0: place that I can do it.
1: Right. So, like, you know, how? so, uh, like, we were talking about how... You know, babies weren't born in hospitals historically. Like it's always just been like a, a home birth or like a you know, you don't go to a hospital. That's like, right, right, right. Which is like it's crazy to think because of that is probably why the incubators weren't a huge thing.
0: Oh yeah, you know? that like, too is
1: because it, like, they... it's like so then literally the only people that needed help. Like you know, there wasn't that steady that steady income for like a uh, what do you call that a delivery department? <laughs> what do they call it? I, I, I don't remember. I don't know I'm, what you're I'm, like, saying? What like, like, the part of the hospital where they delivery things?
0: Where they like deliver? Pregnant where mama's... they did like deliver babies? Yeah. I don't know. Isn't I mean, there, just, like, a
1: particular just, name for, like, that wing of the hospital? I mean,
0: probably, but now you're making me not know what that's called, if it's <laughs> yeah, called anything yeah, other than, like, God. delivery.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyways.
0: Okay. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, that wasn't a thing back then, so... Right. Who's who's paying to keep this medical equipment on, on staff? Right. Because, like, the parents have to choose to pay us to keep their child alive. Right. Like, at a time when health insurance wasn't
0: a thing. Right. Exactly. Like. Yeah. You know. So, he's like, hey, I'm the only person doing this. Mm-hmm. I just happen to be in an amusement park because that's really the only place where I can have this.
1: Right. And guess what? Like, parents can't afford $450 a day. No. Or, you know, the $15 right, a day back especially then. Especially
0: when you have a baby that's on in an incubator Joe. for months. Yeah. So... Of the 19 babies that he had taken care of Luna Park, only one had died, and it was in terrible condition when it had arrived. Yeah. The court appointed a committee to investigate the facility and the incubators. The committee then decided to not shut down Coney's facility, citing that it was clear that the babies were being well taken care of and could find no fault with Coney or his staff.
1: What? This, this attraction that has... Hundreds, thousands of visitors every day isn't like whipping their children that are like (laughs) laying in these baskets. What?
0: They're actually caring for them? So, there had actually been some scandals across the country where people saw how popular Coney was getting, and mm-hmm. so they tried to make their own incubators to try to replicate, mm-hmm. and babies were dying in those. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I think that's what a lot of people were worried about, and Tony yeah. always made sure he was like, these people are not with me. They are not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Full so, transparency. Like, right. look at how we care for our kids. Right.
0: Know? Yeah, he was like, we are doing the best we can. We really care about babies. Like... Yeah, like you said, full transparency. He's like, yes, come in and look. We have nothing to hide here. That September, Coney married one of his nurses, Annabelle Segner, at City Hall in Manhattan. When Coney Island closed for the season, Coney arranged to have the babies in his care transferred to local hospitals that he also loaned some of the incubators to. In 1904, another amusement park named Dreamland opened right next to Luna Park. Coney opened his second incubator facility in Dreamland and then opened a third incubator facility in Atlantic City. So now he has three going. Yeah. Coney was doing very well for himself uh-huh. and expanding his incubator empire. On January ninth, 1907, Annabelle went into labor and gave birth to their six weeks premature baby girl. Uh-huh. Because it was winter and the parks were closed, all of Coney's incubators were either in hospitals on loan or in storage. So he didn't even have, he didn't have one in his house. Coney called his friend to bring one of his incubators from storage to his home, where he quickly placed his new baby. So he did get one. Coney and Annabelle named their daughter Hildegard Francis, and she spent the first three Aww. months of her life on a great name. <laughs> <laughs> Hildegard Francis Coney it's yeah. it's a lot
1: HFG HFC
0: <laughs> HFC Um she spent <laughs> She spent the first 3 months of her life in the incubator in their home until she was strong enough to be out of it oh. With their new now healthy baby girl things were going good for the Coneys again until May 27th 1911 when a fire broke out at Dreamland At the time of the fire there were 6 babies in incubators at Dreamland The doctor and nurse working in the incubator facility that night saw the fire and quickly grabbed the infants out of their incubators and ran outside. They were able to then get the babies into incubators at Luna Park, and all six babies survived. (sighs) Dreamland was completely wiped out by the fire, and journalists quickly began to write articles that would go out in the morning newspapers. Without verifying their facts, the New York Times published a report that all six babies had been killed by the fire. They're just like, oh, we don't see any babies here, and everything's burned down. We just assume these babies died. And that's just what they published. Yeah. After learning, about right. after learning about the babies, mass media. <laughs> After learning about the baby surviving, they printed a retraction the next day, but the damage had already been done. Because yeah. how many people read the big front, you know, headline? six babies die in fire? Yeah. And then who reads the retraction? It's like the small little bit in the back uh, of the yeah. newspaper. Oh, by the
1: way, we right? misreported this. Yeah.
0: Again, the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children asked that the incubator facilities be shut down and a ban placed on exhibiting infants in incubators in places of amusement. After finding out that the babies had survived, the society then said it was mere chance that the babies survived and that the fire could have easily been started in the flimsy building in which the incubators were located. Ladies these people are just like, I don't know. They got it they out for them. Be-. Yeah. yeah. Coney was able to come back, though, and began traveling the states again with his exhibition and keep his facilities at Luna Park and Atlantic City open.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Coney. Manhattan, New York, state of New York. You don't like living prima- premature babies. Yeah. A bunch of dicks. So,
0: <laughs> so Coney keeps these facilities open and travels the states... For the next twenty years, yeah, he good. just keeps going.
1: He says he gives them the, the big old tall man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cody was just, di- sorry. <laughs>
1: no, gives them. I'm glad he does. Gives them big old tall man. Yeah, so he's like, like
0: it's working. We're gonna yeah, keep going. Yeah,
1: I'm not one of those frauds that's literally killing babies. Right? What, do you think it would be the parents that would be coming to you, like, hey, my my child, like. They're just running a farm out there. Just.
0: Right. Just and like, using
1: my kid to make money. You would and then think with none all, of them are living. Yeah, you
0: would think with it's all like, the babies that came through, there would be some kind of paper, especially people looking for his downfall. There'd yeah. be some kind of report, some story that. No, he,
1: there would be parents lined out the door. Absolutely. Like, like, I gave him my child and he killed him. Right. But that's not who's reporting it. Right. It's these people who are.
0: Because well, like they're other, afraid of change and like other people were like, oh, he's just like switching out babies like yeah. the babies are dying and he's switching out and putting new ones in. It's like, but no, like parents would be coming out and be like, hey, like my baby's gone. Yeah. like or <laughs> Yeah,
1: we well, think. Anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, like somebody's baby has to be gone if he keeps yeah. switching out babies, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's this giant ruse of baby swaps.
0: <laughs> yeah. Constant baby swaps. Nobody knows whose baby's who. No,
1: yeah. It's just just ridiculous that that they think it wasn't... (sighs) It makes me me mad.
0: So, he keeps going for 20 years after the fire. Um, He's still running his incubator facilities. And in 1933, he planned on creating the largest infant incubator facility in the nation at the Chicago Century of Progress International Exposition. The exhibit cost $75,000 to build, which is around $1.4 million today, and had a frontage painted red, white, and blue that was over 100 feet long. The exhibit could hold up to 25 babies at one time and had an outdoor nursery in addition to its indoor nursery that would allow the babies to get sunshine and fresh air when they were strong enough.
2: Mm.
0: The exhibit was open for two years, and in 1934... Hildegard went to Chicago after finishing her nurse training to help her father in the family business. Hildegard. Hildegard Princess. Right? Yep. In 1936, Coney's wife, Annabelle, died. After her death, Coney began to reach out to his extended family in Europe. He was becoming worried about the political situation in Europe, especially Hitler and Germany.
1: Yeah. So he was was Jewish? Exactly. And he's
0: got a whole bunch of Jewish family... Still back in Germany. He wrote his niece and her husband telling them to leave Germany at once and to come to New York. In the letter, he had enclosed tickets for a steamship and told them to just leave all their belongings. He said, just leave on foot, get to France, and then get on the boat and come here. Mm -hmm. Coney brought more friends and family from Germany to America the following year, and it is believed that Coney arranged for the transportation and legal fees of at least 15 people to come from Germany to New York and then he helped them get jobs when they arrived. Hmm. When it was announced that there would be a World Fair in New York in 1939, Coney knew that his infant incubators needed to be a part of it. Coney was now in his late 60s, and since he figured it would more than likely be his last exhibit, he went all out. He hired an architecture firm out of Chicago to design a U-shaped modern building that included a spacious incubator room, nursery, feeding and changing room, living quarters for himself and his staff, a large kitchen, and a nursery garden. Hmm. Coney hired a large staff and then mortgaged his family home to pay for it all. The building was painted pink and blue and had a large plaque of a chubby baby that hung (laughs) over the entrance. Lullabies played through a loudspeaker system while visitors came in from 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. There (laughs) wasn't... There wasn't... Who's going in... Apparently, there's people going in to look at little tiny After babies hap- at two a.m.
1: After happy hour, yeah,
0: <laughs> let's go look at the babies.
1: Oh, babies!
0: Look at those babies! Oh, yeah.
1: Look at cute little babies.
0: You know, there's tons of people doing that. Oh, tiny hands. There was an incubator ambulance parked outside that would collect premature babies when a call came in. Nurse Rekt was still working with Kony. So, that nurse that helped him get the babies from Paris to London, oh, she's nice. still working with him.
1: Nice. She's got to be pretty old, too.
0: Yeah. So she would demonstrate to visitors the feeding techniques used at the exhibit, and she was filmed so it could be distributed to different hospitals how to feed these premature babies using tubes or, like, the nasal feeding.
1: Yeah, just the different methods. Yeah, also yeah.
0: her, like, fun trick that she did is she had this big diamond ring on her hand that she would slip off her finger, and then she'd put around the baby's wrists, just to show, like, how little the baby's wrists were. Wow. Yeah.
1: No, when I was holding my niece Lily, it's like, oh my gosh, she's so tiny. She's a month old.
0: And she's a healthy baby. And she's a healthy baby. She's not baby. premature.
1: Yeah. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Several of their past patients that were now adults came to visit and gave their thanks for saving their lives. Hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah cause he's been doing it forever yeah now.
0: and it said like every so many years he would have a big homecoming party where all of his little premature baby graduates would come and they'd like have a picnic and the parents would come and talk and mm-hmm. like share about like how great it was that their baby survived and yeah. would, like share stories and <laughs> Do
1: you think there were ever any parents that were like yeah thanks yeah. this one's a peach
0: so <laughs> so <laughs> thankful of, yeah they turned out awful Yeah. that same year Cornell University's New York hospital opened up a training and research center focused on premature infants that was equipped with incubators it was hailed as the first of its kind on the eastern seaboard when one of the parents of a preemie at the hospital couldn't afford the bill there Cooney sent his ambulance to get the baby and bring it back to his exhibit where she stayed for two months until being discharged he of Mm. course didn't charge the parents Mm-hmm. Ascent. Mm hmm. Coney took in 42 babies in total at the New York World Fair, but he never recuperated all the money he spent on his exhibit. Forty years after holding his first exhibition, infant incubators were no longer a novelty and were starting to pop up in hospitals all over the country.
1: Good. Probably because of him.
0: Absolutely. Coney. Permanently closed his facilities at Luna Park and Atlantic City in 1943 and retired at the age of 73. He died seven years later on March 1st, 1950. Several people showed up at his funeral, including many former incubator babies and their parents. Over his whole career, Coney claimed to have saved the lives of over 6,500 babies.
2: Mm.
0: So, several years after his death... It was later discovered that Coney had never received a medical degree. He had never been a doctor. Yeah. And it's possible that yeah, he actually... Yeah, I don't ever
1: remember you talking about him going to school anyway.
0: No, he just kind of showed up as a doctor. But he was never a doctor. He actually just started doing this when he was like 19 years old and just kind of showed up one day with an incubator. Because some people don't even think he worked with Pierre Boudin, that one guy that is. he said sent him to Berlin. Some people think he just showed up in Berlin with incubators and they don't know how he got them, but he just started doing it and they don't know why or really what happened. He just realized it was
1: a really good thing and he was like, people need this shit.
0: But either way, despite him not being a doctor or having like really any medical training at all.
1: There was no negative twist. No,
0: he saved lives. Yeah. Thousands of babies' lives. And yeah. inspire the world to look at premature babies as lives worth saving.
1: That's good. It's amazing. I think people don't realize, like, I, I can think off the top of my head a handful of people that I know that have been Im- impacted by modern medicine and, and being able to save either themselves or their child that were premature.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: So that's super cool. Come yeah. on. Come me out. I've got a fuzzy, warm heart right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. This was a good one. This yeah. was a nice story.
1: Yeah. I like it.
0: My sources for the story were Miracle at Coney Island, How a Sideshow Doctor Saved Thousands of Babies and Transformed American Medicine by Claire Prentice.
1: Doctor. Doctor. Doctor in air quotations. Sideshow doctor.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. But he did, though. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Like, we don't need people with medical degrees, <laughs> medical degrees to save babies.
0: But it does help. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not okay, going to be with wait. you if we're, we're going to say we don't people need people with medical degrees. We're gonna. We're gonna argue about this one. <laughs> I like doctors. <laughs> okay, I think they're great.
1: <laughs> there was this one instance in history where a good person with a with a heart of gold, apparently wasn't a doctor. I just
0: want to say in this one... And
1: was successful at saving lives. That doesn't mean that's going to happen to everybody.
0: I want to say, I think this is just one of those (laughs) random instances where it just happened to work out and this guy was actually just a good person. We We have definitely had stories, especially the goat nut doctor, where he was not not a a real doctor and he hurt and killed a lot of people, all for profit. Right. They are like... They started out kind of same, and then they just took very different paths. Yes. Also, got, Goat Nut Doctor really liked Hitler. Like, very different paths.
1: Mm. I'm seeing a trend here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> people that like Hitler are bad.
1: Bad doctors.
0: Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. And my other sources were the strange... Except for the people that think that uh, they think the
1: Holocaust is, didn't happen. I don't...
0: Yeah, I don't get those people. Which is fucking... Uh, it did happen. It blows
1: my mind. People could ever say anything, <laughs> thing like that. It's like are you kidding me.
0: Yeah, there's still like, there's still like, people that were like born in Ash- Auschwitz and like that kind of thing. They're still alive today. Yeah,
1: I was listening to a story today about, um, gosh, what what was it? It was like, oh no, it was yesterday.
0: It was the Scientology podcast we I mean, yeah, were listening yeah, to. With the Leo Lea- No, Leah Remini.
1: (laughs) Leah Remini.
0: Yes, Leah Remini.
1: Leah Remini. I love her. She's amazing. King of
0: Queens? Yeah. So yeah, we were listening to her podcast about Scientology and this one Holocaust survivor was being attacked by the Church of Scientology. Yeah. It's crazy. They're still alive today and the Holocaust is real. Yes. For anybody that (laughs) doesn't think so.
1: (laughs) And if you listen to this podcast and you don't think the Holocaust is real, please don't listen to this podcast anymore. Also,
0: I think there's like a recurring trend where, yeah, like a lot of things come up where like, this person was a bad person. Oh, and they happen to think Hitler and Nazis were great. Right. And like, <laughs> it just yeah. keeps popping up. Yeah,
1: common denominators. Here.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> Nazi supporters,
0: not great people. They turn out to be bad people. Uh, um, my other sources for this story were The Strange Case of Dr. Coney, How a Mysterious European Showman Saved Thousands of American Babies by Don Raphael, and Coney Island's Incubator Babies by Rebecca Rego Berry.
1: Wow, that took us a while to get through those...
0: There's three sources.
1: Three sources. That's great three sources.
0: Alright, presidential trivia. Hmm. Which president yelled and scarred for life a young doctor seuss
1: mm, going to go with hoover
0: no so nixon no <laughs> stop so doctor seuss his real name was theodore geisel yeah and he was german and he was german american uh-huh. so when world war 1 was breaking out mm. german germans were like not very popular yeah so then the Boy Scouts of America started to sell war bonds. Well, Theodore Geisel, wanting to appear very American, and wanted he was Royal fourteen, America. and and Boy Scouts wanted to sell a lot of war bonds. His grandfather, who also wanted to be appear very American and not German, bought a thousand dollars worth of war bonds from young Theodore, which made him the top one of the top, uh, war bonds selling Boy Scouts in his town at the time. Right after that, he found out that he was going to win a special award for this accomplishment. He, like, went to this, like, auditorium who was giving out the awards, former President Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, no. President Theodore Roosevelt was only given nine awards to give out. A medal was was missing, unfortunately. He was supposed to give out ten. He only got nine. Theodore Geisel's name was the tenth name called. So when he appears, Theodore Roosevelt is like, what is this boy doing up here? Get him off the stage. And just thought he was just ran up there. Like, yelled at him. I feel like Theodore Roosevelt would be very intimidating to be yelled at. And then... Dr. Seuss scoutmaster basically threw him off the stage. And <laughs> Get out of
1: here. <laughs> here.
0: And Dr. Seuss said that basically scarred him for life and he hated doing public speaking after that.
1: Oh.
0: So, that is <laughs> yeah. That piece of presidential trivia. I
1: have a story about uh, <clears throat> my my one of my like first instances of public speaking. Okay. It's like very it's very impressionable on me because like I I was funny? I don't know, I guess. Maybe I was funny. Yeah, I was funny. How old but were you? 13 or 14? Okay. No, cuz we could drive. Sort have been like 15 or 16. Like my like first real experience in public speaking like beyond just like a classroom setting. Sure. And uh uh like it's very impressionable moment for me. So it was like probably fifteen or sixteen. We were driving, and we had to give this presentation after this like summer like camp thing that we did, and uh, gave it in front of a bunch of people from like the Forest Service and the BLM and and teachers and stuff and parents. And it was great. It was great. It was a great experience. <laughs> I didn't. I did not get yelled at. So it was a good experience for okay. me.
0: <laughs> and you were funny. Apparently. People.
1: People laughed. People. I made some jokes because I was like really nervous, and then they laughed at my jokes. And then I was just like a Drew Carey up there, just where are you drawing in all the laughs, talking. That's acting the com-
0: that's the comedian you first go to when you think of somebody funny. Is Drew Carey?
1: Whose line is it anyway? <laughs> just improv, you know.
0: <laughs> sure, I like it. If you were a premature baby, (laughs) spent any time in an incubator, had a premature baby, have stories about incubators that you would like to share, we'd love to hear them. Go to americathebizarre.com and fill out our contact form and share your story. You can also send us an email directly at bizarreusa at gmail.com. And we hope you guys stay safe. Stay healthy. And until next time, stay stay weird, weird, America. America.